it's Monday to us and whatever day of whatever you're listening to us. I don't, I don't know. It's been a long week, y'all. It, it's a Fight Talk podcast. We're we're going to be reviewing and, and discussing a little bit of past, this past Saturday's Brunson versus Holland main evented card over over on the UFC on ESPN. And then, of course, uh, the bulk of this episode is probably going to be more aimed at the uh, – we, we got a big, big boy card. I, dare I say the biggest boy card, the biggest, baddest rematch, if you look at the uh, the poster, UFC 260, just a few days away at the time of this recording. Stipe Miocic putting the heavyweight title on the line once again against Francis Ngannou. Of course, uh, plenty to talk about on that. Again, that's this weekend, UFC 260, but – uh, we, we and can't we can't have a show kicked off without us pretending like we we don't know how uh, how we were this weekend. But uh, but Stephen Jensen, how uh, how was the weekend? It was great. Yeah, me and Mo's uh, talked here for the last half hour and a half or so before we got recording. So um yeah, it was good. <laughs> I, I watched uh, WWE Fastlane last night and it was pretty weak. Um, I enjoyed some UFC over the weekend, which we're going to be talking about. Um. There's a bunch of stuff going on. I feel like a lot of good stuff to watch. And uh, I actually watched KSW also um, uh, their MMA show on Saturday afternoon and shout out to fight TV. Um, They actually slid in my DMS and were like, cause I I talk to them every now and then about like just various stuff. And the guy who runs the social media is super cool. And he just randomly hit me up on Saturday and was like, Hey man, here's a media code for KSW if you want to watch it. And like the show is starting in like 10 minutes. And I was like, cool. So shout out to Fight TV for hooking me up with a uh, a free code to watch KSW on Saturday. I wasn't planning on watching the show, but since they sent me that, I went ahead and watched it. Um, so yeah, I, I watched that on Saturday and that was good. And that was wild. Uh, Putz went out there and fucking, uh, his, his, I don't know if you saw anything that happened, but like, the KSW main event, the the opponent for, um, I can never say his name right. The guy used to be the, he was the world's strongest man for like the, a long time. P- Putsa Lasky or whatever. I can never get his name right. But um, his opponent literally fell off the card like an hour before the show. And they found a replacement fighter who was <laughs> not even going to fight, who I think was 0-0 going into it. And he just like jumped in there in the main event um, on an hour's <laughs> notice, which was which was great. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man. So yeah, good weekend. Can't complain. Uh, how was your weekend, man? I know you had a lot of wrestling. Oh yeah. Friday, Saturday tapings, uh, Sunday, a bunch of family stuff. I don't know how many miles we put up. Um, but yeah, very, very busy weekend. Those, uh, those tapings will be out. I would say in the next week or two, I know, um, of course, Action Clash can be seen on Tuesday nights on IWTV, put on by New South, and then Action Wrestling out of the Tyrone, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia area. Um, it, 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 I'm, I'm assuming in the next week to 10 days, one or both of those shows will be up, so definitely uh, be on the lookout for those on IWTV, and then, of course, up. Uh, is back Sunday Underground Pro Thursday night premiere IWTV nine I believe it's nine p.m. on the uh, in the Eastern Time Zone. So plenty plenty of ways to hear this voice uh, on the IWTV Stephen Jensen. Dude, and speaking of that, I am so pumped up for the return of Southern Underground Pro Subgraphs, my favorite independent promotion in the world. 
They're going to be back on Thursday, and you can watch that show for free on IWTV. Use code Fight Talk, F I G H T T A L K, all one word, no spaces. Put that into the uh, <clears throat> to the promo spot there on IWTV.live or independentwrestling.tv. You'll get the service for five days completely for free, and that'll include all the stuff that Moshe just talked about. You can watch all the stuff for free. It's going to be awesome. And also, quick shout out to the National Wrestling Alliance. I forgot to mention that they had a they had their return yesterday too, and I thought they did a really really good show. So, wanted to plug them as well because uh, it was good to see the NWA back. So, um, so yeah, use code Fight Talk on IWTV. Watch a lot of great pro wrestling this week, this weekend, whatever it is. Because guess what? I promise y'all, if you use this code and you do these five days for free, and you watch SUP on Thursday. You're gonna want to pay the ten dollars a month and just keep the service, like right. because you're. I mean, you're gonna see how much value there is in this ten dollars a month. Um, full disclosure: I still pay the ten dollars a month. Like I have my own code and still pay the ten because, like, it is worth my ten dollars a month, no matter what. Like I, I, it's literally the best ten dollars a month I spent. I've been saying that before I was ever endorsed by them in any way. I've been saying it for years. You can go back on. You can listen to my Fightful Select Weekender podcast over there at Fightful. Almost every almost every weekend for about two and a half years before I had this code, I was telling people ten dollars a month is worth the price over there on IWTV. So it's something I really believe in, and I think y'all really enjoy. So uh, yeah, use code Fight Talk and please help support the show. And one more thing I want to talk about real quick before we get into all of the UFC talk, and this has to do with the UFC, is on May the first. Music City Toys and Collectibles, who is a sponsor of the Fight Talk podcast and has been for a very long time, um, they are going to be opening a brand new location for for their business. Uh, they were mainly doing stuff online, and it was so successful this past year that you know during a pandemic that they're able to you know open up a, a brick and mortar store. I'm going to tell you that, a little bit about them real quick. So, founded in 2002, formerly known as Heroes and Legends. Music City Toys and Collectibles is your southern fried source for vintage and modern toys, autographed memorabilia, and all things pop culture. Visit their brand new retail location opening May 1st at 101 West Main Street in Waterton, Tennessee. Keep up to date with all of their special in-store signings, online sales, and convention appearances at musiccitytoys.biz and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at musiccitytoys. And a big reason why I'm bringing that up is because I will be there in the house on May 1st doing a Q&A session in front of a crowd with UFC Hall of Famer and professional wrestling legend Dan the Beast Severn. So if you want to be a part of that, please join us. There's 30 tickets for sale right now. The link is brownpapertickets.com slash events. Five zero nine six five zero six. I know that sounds a bit confusing um, hearing that in audio version because I'm obviously talking about a link that you can click. But <clears throat> if you go to Music City Toys and Collectibles website or any of the social media that I just brought up, you can see where to buy tickets. And please join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. And um, thanks as always to Music City Toys and Collectibles for being a part of the show and um, letting us be a part of things as cool as getting to hang out with Dan Severn. So uh, very much looking forward to all that stuff. Yeah, that's dope, man. That's very cool. Shout out the crew. Shout out Dan Severn. Um, definitely, if you're going to be in the area, I mean, at this point, you plan for it. If you're not going to be in the area, you should totally be there. Uh, that's going to be really, really cool, man. Uh, really cool 
cool stuff. Um, for can't wait to talk to you after that and just hear about all the the Dan Severn the little little tidbits you get because I've had friends around him and they just talk about how cool the guy is. Yes, I've heard that he really opens up. Like yes. sometimes people sit will sit down to have like a quick combo with him and like it winds up being like hours long and he just talks about everything. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. And I think the plan from what I've heard is that we're going to watch some of Dan's UFC fights live at the show. And then uh, I think it'll just be kind of an open mic Q and a thing where it's like me and him kind of in front of the room or on a stage or a little platform or something. And then, uh, and yeah, people will be able to ask. And like I said, there's 30 tickets available and it's, it's going to be a really good time. So, uh, so yeah, please, please join us if you're, if you're around and if you're not, but you're a big fan of the UFC or a big fan of Dan Severn, or if you're a big fan of, you know, action figures and collectibles, you know, make the trip because this is all about the grand opening for a, for, you know, a great toy store as well. I mean, at the end of the day. So that's part of what the fun is for me is I get to meet a legend. I get Mm -hmm. to be a part of this thing, but I also get to get some action figures of his autograph by him. Like that's just as cool for me as being a part of the show is like, that I'm going to get to go up to him with, you know, his old WWF bone cruncher in the package <laughs> and be like, can you please sign this for me? And like, you know, like I, th- I think that that's, that's going to be, I mean, cause I'm such a big collector. Like I, I, I love knowing that I'm going to get some of that stuff too. So. Yeah, man. That's good stuff. Shout yeah. out the crew. Keep up with Steven Jensen on that. Buy a ticket uh, and, and get to, and get some signed by Dan Sever while you're at it. Why not? Hell live yeah. a little, live a little bit. Hell um, yeah! I'm gonna right probably now, get a. I'm gonna probably get a WWF figure and a UFC figure autographed by him. I think I'm gonna go for both. So that's the move. That's that'd be my thing. If I if I end up getting to go, uh, I'm thinking I'm thinking that's the move. You got to get one of each if you can. Yeah, exactly. Hell yeah! Um, but yeah, man, we definitely shout out Dan Sever. That's 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 a nice segue into this this MMA talk. We're gonna of course talk about the. The fight card from last weekend, preview, the pay-per-view, or whatever we call them nowadays for this weekend. Uh, but the big news that isn't uh, in the cage yet, just flat-out huge title news coming out. UFC 262, less than two months away, May 15th. The lightweight title, the vacant lightweight title will be vacant no more. As Charles Oliveira unanimously agreed upon number one contender, depending on, of course, Habib. We know now that at least uh, at least for the time being, Uncle Dana is going to allow Habib to be retired um, and, and do what he wants to do. Maybe he keeps commentating. Uh, do, do, just get get Habib out there. Get a mic in front of him. Let him talk. I'm all for it. But Charles Oliveira in that title fight that he uh, he should be in, rightfully so, against. Michael Chandler, his second UFC fight, going to get a title shot. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but if you think about it, we've seen it a bunch before, right? Anderson Silva did it. Um, of course, fucking, uh, I think Bass Root in his second UFC fight, right? He he fucking did it. Um, Kevin Randall and Tim Sylvia. So Rampage fucking Chuck Liddell. Man, there's so many times we've seen this situation. And the crazy thing is, Stephen, that the person that is in only their second UFC fight in a title fight, more often than not, just about every time has won this fight, though, uh, though Dubrock starts out a slight favorite. Uh, it looks like Vegas has it. I mean, very, very nearly a coin flip. Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler, 
man, less than two months away, we will have a new lightweight champion, man. How does uh, how does it feel now that it had a day or two to settle in? <laughs> I mean, I, I like the uh, I like the matchup. Like personally speaking, I mean, here's the thing: in a perfect world, perfect scenario, if you're going by the rankings and who's beat who and and all that stuff. I think it should have been Charles Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier for the title. Mm-hmm. But we all know Poirier and Connor and Poirier and Nate and that kind of stuff. And and rightfully so. I think Poirier should should be more concerned about making as much money as he possibly can right now coming off that Connor win. So if he's not a part of the title mix and it's his own decision, I'm totally fine with that. Um, which is what the was is what it's what seems has happened. Yeah. So you know, the only other thing I would really look at is, you know, Justin Gaethje. Yes. You know, I think he's done, obviously he's done more inside of the UFC than Chandler has, but he is coming off the loss to Habib. Although once again, like how much do you really weigh that in? Cause Habib did that to everybody he fought and Habib's not there anymore. So personally speaking, I probably would have, I probably would have went with uh, Gaethje versus Oliveira, but you know, with Chandler, he's a two-time former um, Bellator champion. His knockout of Dan Hooker happened on that Poirier and, and Connor card, so a lot of people saw it. So, and and you also don't want a Ben Askren situation, if we're being mm-hmm. honest, too, mm-hmm. where you know, because if they would have given, I know it would have been really weird if Ben Askren got a title shot after the Robbie Lawler fight because of how kind of controversial that whole fight was. Although I've said it a thousand times. Ben Askren won fair and square like he he got into that position the referee made the judgment call and all that stuff but um that being said I bet the UFC wishes that they would have well I can't say that because Masvidal became such a big star after kneeing Askren but the point being Ben Askren was in the same kind of position as Michael Chandler is where he could have gotten a title shot pretty much immediately because of what he'd done outside of the UFC and you know, Chandler's, I, I I think it's an interesting fight. I think Chandler has a lot of knockout power, but I think that Oliveira is just, I think he's just a complete, complete, I mean, mismatch on the ground. Like, if this fight hits the ground, because Michael Chandler's a great wrestler too, I don't think it would be smart for Chandler to take down Charles Oliveira. So I think that he's going to have to try to rely on his knockout power and if Oliveira can basically train to not get hit, mm-hmm. um, you know, and if he can grapple with him at all, and Oliveira's hands have gotten much better too. So it's like, I mean, per, I mean, my prediction is Charles Oliveira. I think he gets the win. I think he actually submits him. But, um, but I, I, I like, I like the matchup. I like that Habib is retired. I like the UFC is not going to bo- like bug him about it anymore, and that the division can move on and. I really, really firmly do believe that Charles Oliveira will be the the next reigning lightweight champion. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Uh, it makes sense for the business side of things. Um, you said it so many eyes. I think the fact that it was a big it was a big upset for a lot of the casual audience, maybe that just expected all the talk about Dan Hooker, all the highlights of that fight with Dustin. I mean. I thought Dan Hooker was going to win that fight. So I think just Chandler being in the right spot at the right time, getting that finish on that card. And then, like you said, the I think you're on the money about Dustin. I think he's more worried about money fights uh, than title fights. I, it feels like with Gagey, 
not being in this fight that there's something else probably in mind for him. Maybe a fight and then maybe he gets the winner if he comes out of this next one. But Gagey's a big question mark. Other than that, I'm here for it. Again, business makes sense. Oliveira's in the title fight. He should be, I think, uh, as close as Vegas has it. I think I would pick Oliveira to win uh, again May 15th. This is UFC 262. Going to be in Texas, man. Uh, not Vegas. Not Fight Island. This one's going to be in Houston. At least the plan is down, I believe. Uh, UFC 261, which is going to be headlined by Usman and Masvidal, is going to be in Jacksonville. So, Starting to see uh, see the brand branch out a little bit more, man. Uh, it's it's kind of dope. Um, hopefully, hopefully that holds. Of course, this COVID stuff you never know, but hopefully this holds and we can start uh, kind of seeing the the UFC move around a little bit, man. Um, I, I think we're on the same page. Oliveira, uh, big fight for Chandler though, and and what we let off with. We've seen this a bunch, man. People in their second UFC fights getting uh, title fights and getting wins. So you know. Michael Chandler uh, could start out 2-0, and two big upsets, and be the title holder. Um, and for a guy with the career he had before, uh, I don't think we – it's a surprise, I, I would say, but uh, we all know how good he is. Uh, it's just Oliveira's grappling. You said it. I think – I wouldn't be shocked to see this be a, a Charles Oliveira finish via however he wants it on the ground if we get there. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same. And, I mean, Michael Chandler's a great fighter, and he's super athletic, and he works super hard. I mean, like, I'm not taking and anything away from him. He showed us he, he just needs one, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, you thinking that Hooker was going to beat Chandler. I wasn't – I said the same thing. I mean, I wasn't mm-hmm. shy about that. I thought that Dan Hooker was going to smoke him. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's just one of those things, though, too, where, you know, Dan – it's just, you know – the big thing that that Chandler has that helps him with all of this is that, you know, multiple time Bellator champion status, mm-hmm. because there have been people who have beaten Dan Hooker and finished Dan Hooker and didn't get title shots and fight, fighters that I do think are better than Michael Chandler. Like, I'm not I, I, I'm not trying to sound like a jerk or anything, but like I think with Dustin, like I think Dustin Poirier is a better fighter than Michael Chandler and, you know, he beat Dan Hooker and didn't get a title shot. You know, he wound up getting a great fight against uh against Connor and everything, but it's the, my point is like Dan Hooker isn't, hasn't been a champion. He isn't a current champion or a former champion. Like, you know, and, and the thing with Michael Chandler is like, he got beat like three or four fights ago too. People forget yeah. it. Pit, I think it was Pitbull choked him out or something like that. Yep. So it's like, it's not like he's like this unstoppable fighter, but at the same time, you know, you know, he's come, he, the timing is really good for him too. Like, you know, cause you have Ferguson and Dariush are, are supposed to be fighting and, and neither are really in title contention at the moment. And then you have, um, Gaethje coming off of a loss, although it was the Habib, it's still coming off of a loss. Mm-hmm. And then the only other person, and then you have, of course, you know, Dustin and, and, and Connor, probably being matched up again so really the only other option you have is dos anjos that's really it and um and i just don't think i feel like the ufc would feel it's much more marketable to go with chandler in that situation because of all the stuff we talked about already so it's like you know the the one thing that dos anjos does have is he's a, a former ufc um lightweight champion so it's so there is the marketability aspect there a little bit but the point really is that 
the timing for Chandler couldn't have been better. He got a big knockout against a good fighter on a very big show. Anyone else is either tied up at the moment or is coming off of a loss. So it kind of is like, he's like the odd man out in like the best way possible. Cause it's like, okay, well, I mean, he's let's give him a title shot, you know? So, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? No, it is. It's, it's how often do we see this not work out? And we're sitting here going the, uh, you know, in a, in a, the short end of the stick situation, but that could not have played out any better, man. And, uh, and yeah, like I said, less than two months out, um, big time title fight, a lot of big news coming out of the UFC, uh, in the next couple of months, we're seeing titles, we're seeing, you know, blood feuds. Of course, this weekend, we've got the biggest, baddest, meanest rematch. I feel like we've been waiting for years to see, uh, to see Stipe and Francis in there, even though it was announced. We still been waiting for fucking years for this, man. Um, but we're getting that this weekend, of course, this past weekend. Uh, we're not going to do as big of a deep dive as we usually do. Uh, we're really going to hit UFC 260 hard. But we got to talk about, of course, uh, you know, UFC on ESPN 21 slash comma UFC Vegas 22 headline. By Derek Brunson beating Kevin Holland, unanimous decision, 49-45, 49-46, 49-46 from the judges. That five-fight win streak of Kevin Holland we saw in 2020 ends, now moves to 0-1 in 2021 uh, after this performance. I said it last week, Stephen, I, I picked I picked Kevin Holland to continue the streak, but Derek Brunson, he, he's done it before. He breaks my heart, uh, gets it done, and really – it just wasn't close. I know Dana said it looked like Kevin was had, had like a mental breakdown or something, and they're not at all the same fighter we saw from last year uh, coming out of this past Saturday night. Yeah, it was... I've, I've definitely mixed feelings on the whole thing because on one hand... <coughs> excuse me. On one hand, you have Kevin Holland who comes out... Like, I thought his entrance was entertaining. You know, he comes out doing, like, mm-hmm. the talking and the dancing and all the stuff he does. It was really funny, actually, when he was getting the... Uh, like, when the, the guy, the doctor... Um, oh, I can't remember what they call the guy. The dude who... It, right before they get into the octagon, um, who has the... Uh, the... Uh, well, I cannot think of the name of the damn stuff. The stuff you spread on their face. The... Uh, the Vaseline. Oh, Vaseline, yeah. Yeah, and he, uh, he, he, the guy was, like, doing the Vaseline and, like, doing the pat-down where, you know, they check your body to make sure you're not greasing and all that stuff. And Kevin Holland was, like, was, like, dancing while the guy was, like, trying to, like, pat him down and, like, do the Vaseline. And it was, like, it was pretty funny because Holland's kind of, like, dancing, like, sexy in front of this guy. And this dude's, like, making eye contact with him. And he's wearing the mask. But you can tell by looking at his eyes that the guy is smiling or laughing underneath the mask while this is all happening. So, like, the Holland entrance I thought was really funny. And then the fight itself is, like, this is my big takeaway, (laughs) really, from this. And this is something that's, you know, this is nothing new. You can say this about plenty of fighters, but the stuff that Kevin Holland does and the the way that he acts, it's only cool if you're winning. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I'm you know what I mean? It's oh yeah, like like when you're getting taken down at will, it can't get off the and you can't get up, and like you're talking shit from the ground, like off of your back, and you're like 
pointing at Dana White and like pointing at the cameras and like trying to talk to Habib who's cage side and all this stuff. But like you're losing the fight. Like I think you won one round probably of that whole fight. Like if I, if I was scoring it. So it's like, it's like, dude, like there's, if you were winning and you were doing all that stuff, it's entertaining, but like you're out here getting like completely dominated and you're, you know, but then there's also the, the side to it in the fifth round Holland actually gets a takedown on Brunson, which like nobody saw coming. (laughs) And Holland, they hit the ground and Holland's yelling like, let's go. I told you, I told you I could do that. And like, he's like pointing at Habib like, yeah, I see that takedown. But it's like, dude, you, you losing four rounds to one. Like, yeah. You know? So to be honest, it's just one of those things where like, Brunson looked impressive. He's just a more well-rounded fighter. He's just a better fighter than Kevin Holland is. Kevin Holland, I think, has more knockout power. He he dropped Brunson a couple times. Like, there was, um, you know, he was in a little bit of danger, but Brunson's just a better overall fighter, and he probably wins this fight eight or nine times out of ten. And, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, Brunson did what he does, and Holland, at the end of the day, really looked kind of stupid. And, yeah. you know, we'll see kind of where this all heads next, because it's a totally different conversation we'd be having. Right. If it's like, yes, Holland, Holland did all this. Now he's six and oh in the last year or so versus now he's five and one. And the one that he lost, he was talking shit the whole time and looked kind of like a clown, you know? Yeah. No, my uh, the biggest thing I remember from that fight uh, is actually a clip I saw like yesterday after it was uh it was what you mentioned, you know, Holland talking to Habib, and you hear Habib say, like, something to the effect of, like, look at Derek. Like, Derek's over there. You need to be worried about Derek. And it just, I think that summed up the fight. I mean, it just, I think he, I think the lights were a little big for him, as weird as that is to say, uh, because, you know, nothing against Derek Brunson. You said a hell of a fighter. He's a top 10 uh, ranked fighter in the UFC, man. That's a big deal. Um but this is just the moment was a little too big for me. He said it. He's too. Derek was way too well rounded for this. That puts Brunson four wins in a row now, um, and and the last two over. You know, really the that you know that like we were saying that, that could be that next big name, right? I mean, um, Edmund Shabazian coming into that fight was eleven and zero. It loses to Derek Brunson in, in August of twenty twenty, and then now. Um, they put, you know, Holland there. We keep talking about that 5-0 and last year. Super impressive. But, again, uh, a little bit of a gatekeeper role for Derek Brunson. And uh, he's doing well with it, these back-to-back performances. Um, I, I just – I'm at a loss for words, man. This is not at all how I thought it would go. I mean, I'm not saying – again, if you had told me Derek Brunson by unanimous decision, I believe that. It's just like you're – you know, this is not at all – the Kevin Hall we saw last year. Uh, I mean, I know it's different when you're landing those fucking haymakers and put people down. And, and you know, 15 minutes in of this ass beating, it's, I'm sure it's frustrating. Um, but you got to stay in there. You can't be talking to Habib and Dan and all this because now, like you said, it's a little bit of a joke. Now, you you know, how do we – I don't even know what to ask about. Where, where do we go with Kevin Hall now? Because you're like, well, what do we know about him? I mean – you know, he's beat some good talent, but he he's nowhere near ready for that top five guys. And you and man, if he'd have won this fight, I guess it's different if he beats Derek Brunson. But how, how nuts is that to say, you know, if he wins this fight, he's probably right there going, man, this is a guy right there on the title talk contention because of 
the street, the the height. But now we're looking at it going, I don't man, I don't know if he's I mean, top fifteen talent maybe, but he's not ready for top five talent talent. There's yeah. no way. Yeah, I agree. Like it's it's interesting when you watch him fight because he throws he throws his strikes like so off balance. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't he doesn't look like most people do when he but but I think that a part of why he throws the way that he does and part of the reason why he didn't really care so much if Brunson was taking him down and until probably he realized he couldn't get up is that he had had success against guys like Jockery, like knocking him out from his back. Yeah. (laughs) for real. Like, like, so I think he just figured that he could just knock anyone out and Brunson just wasn't that guy. I mean, he just couldn't do it to Brunson. And then once, once, you know, Brunson got in his rhythm and realized like, yeah, Holland hits hard as hell. But like, if I, as long as I just keep going for these takedowns, like there's nothing you can do about it. You know, that was game set match. And then you kind of look at what's next for these guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they just recently announced that Jack Hermanson's going to fight Edmund Shabazian. So that's a good matchup at middle, at middleweight. Um, yeah. I like that a lot. And then, so you got to look at like Brunson is ranked number seven. Hermanson was six, and like I said, Hermanson and Shabazian are fighting. So then you got, and I and I figured that Brunson deserves a fighter ranked ahead of him. So yeah, it's dude. like, so Hermanson's busy, Vittori and Till are busy. <clears throat> Costa is out against Whitaker, but Whitaker is busy against Gastelum, which really just leaves Jared Cannonier. So I would like to see that next. Uh, how about Derek Brunson versus Jared Cannonier? And, and Derek Brunson versus Paulo Costa is fine as well. Um, I just don't know what's going on with Costa at the moment. But um, but I'd say J- Brunson versus Cannonier. And then you do uh, uh, Kevin Holland versus probably like the bottom half of the top 15, like a Brad Tavares or something like that. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly where I, I see Holland going. I think you're right about Brunson, man. Again, he's, he's putting these wins up. He's being put in there with hype train kind of things. Of, all right, if you go beat Derek Brunson, we'll see where we're at after that. And that's back to back. Before uh, before Holland and Shabazian, uh, he beat uh, Ian Heinish and Elias Theodoro. So four very solid wins in a row. The last two people Brunson lost to were Israel Adesanya and, uh, and Jacare. So, you know, uh, why not? I mean, give the guy a top five, top four, like you're saying. That's a hell of a fight with Cannonier. And then, you know, Derek Brunson at what? Is he 30? He's 37. So uh, it feels like he's been around for forever because he has, man. 22 and 7. The first time we saw him fight in the octagon, got to go all the way back to 2012 when he uh, he beat Chris Lieben. So, um, wow. very, yeah, right. How crazy is that? We're, we're talking about 10 years ago, very nearly now. Uh, right, it's nine. Um, closing in on 10 uh, next year. But Derek Brunson been around a real vet and uh, do, uh, do a big-time fight, man. Um, great main event. I guess if you're in the Derek Brunson camp, uh, for sure, if you're Kevin Holland, I think you said it, Stephen, the lesson learned here is whoever you're in there with next, you need to have a plan B uh, if, if you can't put them down. Because you got to <laughs> – this is where we say you, someone has more tools to win. If, if you can't knock me out, but I can take you down or submit you or just fucking hold you a little bit. I'm going to win that fight. So that's the lesson to leave for Kevin Holland. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's just wild to think about just how different of a, of a position Holland would be in today. If you were right. in a fight, because, incredible. because he was in a situation where like, you know, they have, <clears throat> you know, if we were looking at the middleweight division, 
And you have, in my opinion, Robert Whitaker. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm trying to clear my throat here. Robert Whitaker has already earned a title shot. Like he, I think he should have already gotten a rematch based on when he beat Darren Till. But they were going to do him in Costa. I figured that was basically a number one contender fight again. But now it's Whitaker and Gastelum. And I'm not so sure that if Whitaker beats Gastelum, he'll get a title shot over the winner of Vittori versus Till. Because that I really think they're trying to do Darren Till versus uh, Israel Adesanya. Like if Till beats Vittori, <coughs> excuse me, I'm, I'm almost positive that Darren Till and Adesanya is going to fight for the title. So with that being said, if Holland would have went out there and like knocked out Brunson in like 10 seconds or something, done something just like super impressive. Or another one of those knockouts like off of his back or something. There was a chance that he would have jumped the line and fought Izzy next. There really was. And, wow. and I because the two of them have beef, like last year when when Holland was winning some of those fights in the Apex, Adesanya was like the only guy there in the crowd and like they were talking shit back and forth. And I mean like it's one of those things where like I think that Holland really could have been I don't know if he would have necessarily jumped over let me put it this way. If Marvin if Marvin Vittori beat Darren Till and Kelvin Gastelum beat Robert Whitaker, I think that Kevin Holland could have jumped all of them. And wow. and uh because you know what I mean? I think that would have made they could have made sense. And uh and yeah, I mean it's just yeah. And now we're talking about him as like, can he beat someone in the you know, can he beat number fifteen or not? Because like if Number 15, can, if Brad, you know, if Brad Tavares or Shane Strickland wants to grapple with him, I don't know if he can really do anything about it, you know? Yeah, that's that's going to be the question. Um, I, I still, man, I, I it's it's the fight game is so amazing to me because of that. We're talking, you know, a punch lands. One of those times Brunson doesn't get up. Yeah, Holland, I mean, <clears throat> staring at a title shot. And now here we are saying, and you got to really assess where you're at. So, um Crazy stuff out of the main event. Very interested to see where Derek Brunson goes from here. Uh, no fight of the night awarded on this show. The I'm going to quickly hit these performance of the nights in our co-main event. Max Griffin got a performance of the night bonus. Adrian Yanez, uh, Grant Dawson, and Bruno Gustavo da Silva all leaving with $50,000 bonuses. Uh, that Max Griffin finished, man, like we said, this is a fight we both were fired up for. Max uh, beating Son Keenan, knockout punch. I know everyone, if you didn't see the fight, I know you saw the gif. First round, uh, this was fun shit, man. This is a fun fight that lived up to us going, hey, you, you know, you want to be in front of your TV for this one. Yeah, yeah, and it really reminded me of, he looked a lot like Masvidal in there. Like, the way that he mm-hmm. was throwing punches. <clears throat> Sorry, y'all, I don't know why my throat can't fucking clear out. But, uh, but uh, yeah, he was in there, like, um, he really looked like Masvidal a lot. Like he was throwing these like straight punches and, and moving forward and um, looked really, really impressive. I mean, all the knockouts on the show were impressive knockouts. And like you mentioned, four performance of the nights, all because of knockouts or technical knockouts. And like, I, I really like Tai Tuivasa's knockout. He got the win yeah. in 49 seconds and like, he didn't even get a bonus because of all the other knockouts, which is kind of wild. And that was a weird thing, too, because his uh, Dotel Mays was that he dropped out the week of. So Harry Hunsucker, which that was a name I, I saw and I was like, are we sure we didn't miss a letter here? But that is his name. He actually he makes his official debut for the UFC in this loss. He had fought for Dana White's Contender Series back in 2020. 
Um, but yeah, dude, 49 seconds, tie, gonna get that shoey in. Um, no Gregor Gillespie, that was a big note. We haven't mentioned yet that lightweight fight between Gillespie and Brad Riddell. Uh, actually, it was canceled the day of due to COVID protocols, so that will be one. It will be rescheduled. We'll get that down the line. I know uh, we all were fired up for that one. Um, also on that main card, uh, Montserrat Ruiz defeated Cheyenne Baez by unanimous decision. 29-28, 29-28, The aforementioned Adrian Yanez knockout of Gustavo Lopez. Um, that's great main card. Again, the main event was definitely kind of weird with all the hall and antics, but um, with these finishes and then with all the bad blood we kind of got in that Ruiz Baez fight, which is kind of you know, trickled over to life now with Vi saying she was spit on and Reese saying not, man. Um, just look in hindsight, this might be a card that, you know, down the line, we're going to, what happened that night? And you look back on it and you go, dude, there was a lot kind of packed in this main card. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, overall, there was only how many fights on this thing because of the cancellations? One, two, three, four, five, six, Maybe seven, ten? eight, nine, ten. Okay. And one, two, three, four, five, Six and over half of them ended in, in a knockout or, or TKO. No submissions, mm-hmm. but, I mean, <clears throat> that's pretty damn good. I mean, it was an entertaining show. And it's another one of those things where I can never complain about a show like this, even though I was really pumped up for the Gillespie fight. But, yeah, you know, this is – it's free. You know, if you, if you have cable, <laughs> you know, if you have ESPN or you have ESPN Plus or whatever, like, you know, like, why, I mean – I'm not going to complain about free MMA when it's free. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> that's get that on a shirt. Yeah. I'm not going to complain about free MMA when it's free. I'll complain about $75 UFC shows. if like the card doesn't look that good, oh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of at the end of the day, that is what it is, you know, and we're going to get more and more of this kind of stuff. I think where a lot of the free shows might not be, super stacked on paper they might have you know i think we'll continue to get good main events um but a part of that i think also has to do with the fact that they're trying to stack up pay-per-views as much as they can because of the price bump and all that stuff too so like that's one of those things that i think we have to kind of keep our expectations in check of like on paper a card on espn plus might not look that great like name value wise Mm -hmm. but then you know you might look at the next pay-per-view and it's like three title fights and like everything from like the fight past prelims all the way through the main card is all just bangers and fights that are like title eliminators and stuff like that so it's like so yeah I, i guess i'll put it that way is it was a free show there was very little name value on this one and but we wind up getting a lot of good finishes, and we saw yeah. Derek Brunson with a really good performance in the main event. Yeah, and uh, quickly on this prelim, we're talking about these finishes. We had one, two, three, uh, three finishes out of five fights on the prelim card on ESPN2. Uh, of course, the main event, if you will, that prelim card, Macy Kaysen defeated Marion Renault unanimous decision. Grant Dawson defeated Leonardo or Leonardo Santos in the lightweight division. That was, of course, a, a 50K bonus for Grant Dawson. Trevin Giles defeated Roman Dolenz, a unanimous decision. There was a catchweight fight, Montel Jackson over Jesse Schrader, TKO. And in the first fight of the night, our first 50K bonus of the night, Bruno Gustavo Da Silva over JP Baez. Yeah, all kinds of finishes. 
Um, good stuff, man. Yeah, like you said, uh, some surprises here. If you if you didn't uh, if you didn't really know what you were getting inside or in, in yourself for, um, and it's always on ESPN. If it's on ESPN, you're not watching it. I don't know what to tell you. Like it's right there. It's right there. Um, yeah. yeah, great stuff. We're gonna let's shift over, man. We've been waiting long enough. We 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 put our time in. We are just a few days away from Stipe and Francis two. Uh, biggest, baddest, meanest rematch. Uh, any word, any adjective, adverb, any word at all you want to say about this fight. I'm here for the last time we saw these two square up, January 20th, 2018, UFC 220. Of course, uh, Stipe won that by decision. He went fucking five rounds with Francis Ngannou, which, uh, you know, at the time was nuts. Now, looking back on it, really nuts. And also broke the record for the most consecutive UFC heavyweight title defenses. That was that put Stipe at three. Of course, he would go on to uh, to lose the next fight to Cormier. Though right now he has won two in a row, beating Cormier again to get the title back, and then of course defending it in their rubber match. Uh, a lot of stories coming into this one, Stephen Jensen. We're, we're finally here. Stipe and Ganu, how are you feeling now that I mean this one's right in our sights? I'm pumped up, man. I This is the right fight. Uh, these are the two best heavyweights in the world right now. I have no issue at all with the matchmaking. Uh, I'm glad we're finally getting it. Knock on wood. I mean, who knows? Yes. It's like the COVID protocols and stuff. I, I know, um, you know, Ortega and Volkanovski was supposed to co-main this, and, and Volkanovski tested positive for COVID. And so, like, until they're actually in there in the octagon, I'm not going to get too excited. But I... Uh, I'm definitely pumped. And really quickly, if uh, for for those of you who want to watch something after you listen to this podcast, jump over to All Things MMA on YouTube. My latest video that I edited over there is the story of Steve Miocic. So it's um it's a really good story about you know it's just his upbringing and kind of what got him into you know got him to the UFC and uh, a little bit of his family life, and then it really highlights his title run. Uh, his his trilogy with Daniel Cormier, and then it hypes up his uh, his rematch here with Ngannou. So, if y'all want to watch that, uh, support that over there at All Things MMA on YouTube. But yeah, man, I this is this is such a tough one to make a prediction for too, because both guys are so damn good, and these this really is the best two heavyweights in the world. I really really do believe that. Oh yeah, I I don't think you can argue that uh, this is. You know, Frank, we haven't seen Francis since May of 2020. The last time we saw Francis Ngannou outside of the first round was the uh, the the most talked about fight with Derek Lewis that mm-hmm. none of us talk about, but none of us want to talk about, but we end up going, fuck, that did happen. Uh, back at UFC 226, of course, the three-round decision, Borfest, however you want to call it, that Derek Lewis won. Still, though, that was the last time Francis was not out of the first round since then. 45 seconds, 26 seconds, a minute 11, and 20-second wins all for Francis Ngannou. Um, My big question, man, going into this, and it's something we won't know until we get there, is with Stipe, they they both fought last uh, 2020, so, you know, not a ton of time off. You know, we're able to get back to 100%. Um... I, I just, the first round, right? That's the question. If we get out of the first round, 
what does that do for Francis mentally? And then for Stipe, I mean, the punches he took from Ngannou the first time, my theory has always been, even though that fight was in January 2018 and then he fought Cormier July, I still don't think he had recovered from just being like, we, you know, Francis Ngannou's got that power. If you don't have a spine, your head's coming off when he hits you. And Stipe took some of those punches and then went 25 full minutes. So uh, a lot of stories going into this, man. I'm with you. I, my heart, I want to pick Stipe Miocic with everything in me, but it's so fucking hard seeing how we've seen Francis Ngannou to pick against him. Um, if anybody can do it, though, it's Stipe, right? He's shown he can do it again. It's just, if not now, when's the time for Francis Ngannou? That's kind of what I keep going back to. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think the first round is going to be really telling. I oh, think yeah. I think Stipe would be, I think Stipe would be smart to establish a takedown too. Like if he, I think I don't think people are thinking about that. It's a great point, Stephen. I've talked to some friends about this fight, and so far everyone's expecting Rock and Sockham, and that's what I keep going back to. What ha- what if he is? You know, you've got to be planning. You just have to. You've got to be planning to use that wrestling. There's no way you don't with with a goddess. Yeah, I mean, because I don't know how. I mean, Stipe's boxing and I mean, he's incredible. Like, Incre- he's, yes, you know, he's probably the best overall striker at heavyweight. Um, Stipe has the most power. Or sorry, sorry, Francis has the most power, but Stipe is probably the best actual like technical striker in the division. I think. Um, but he also like I mean, people don't talk about it. Stipe was a great wrestler in high school. He wrestled in college, like. He was a multi-sport athlete in college, played uh, baseball, like super athletic guy. So he, I really think that, you know, if he wants to, that that's what I, like, if I, if I was game planning this, if I'm Stipe's camp, I go out there and I take Nganu down within the first like minute of the fight to and see if I can. Like if you can get an easy takedown on him, then you're going to have this mental advantage that whole fight where, where Francis has to think about that and have to be worried about the takedown, and maybe that throws him off a little bit. And then also, Stipe has the confidence of knowing, like, if things aren't going my way, I, I got the takedown. But, I mean, as far as, like, a prediction, though, I am going with Francis. Um, I I think everything's just kind of aligning perfectly for him right now. And we've seen, you know, we saw, I know you mentioned, you know, the DC knockout, and could there mm-hmm. have been, you know... But, I mean, at the end of the day, we, though, we did see DC knock him out in the first round. And, I mean, if DC can do it, I feel like Nganu could do it. Um, but it's 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 a tough one because it's like there have been plenty of times that I've, I've kind of counted Stipe out, mm-hmm. and against Cormier especially. And he, I mean, he definitely has the heart of a champion. He has a skill set of a champion. He's a great dude. Like, I mean, he's a great representative of the sport. Like, I... I love Steve Miocic. I think he's he's arguably the best heavyweight fighter there's ever been. But I think Francis is just he is powerful as hell. His strike is his strikes are fast. Um you know, he's not as well rounded as Stipe striking or as an MMA fighter in general, but it only and like we talked about it before with like it only takes one, you know, like that's mm-hmm. that's really the like for Francis. Like, you can't think about Francis Ngannou and not think about what he did to, like, Alistair Overeem. You know, like, you, like, see, like, these these images of just the way he just snaps people's heads back with his power. And it's like, it doesn't matter who you are if you get hit with that. And 
I think he lands on Stipe. Like, Stipe gets hit, you know, but he's just so fucking tough that he's able to fight through it and win and win fights in deep water. But, yeah, I, I got to go with Nganu as my prediction. I'm with you. I, I, Stipe is on a short list of people I, I do my best to not bet against, to not pick against, however you want to word it. Uh, but it's, I think we see Anu. I think Francis gets the mantle. Um, the, his story is incredible. I mean, one of the, the best stories in a, in a sport filled with great stories of rising above and, and really just, you know, grinding to, to make something and, and make that name mean something. And the Predators done that, man, 34 years old, very well could be the new heavyweight champion in just a few days, UFC 260. Uh, you said it a, a couple minutes ago, no uh, no second title fight, the featherweight title, not on the line. T-City and Volkanovski will not be fighting, um, at least not this weekend. That, of course, will be expected to you know, be added to a future event. Could may very well be a main event down the line. So it appears the new co-main may be Tyron Woodley versus Vincente Luque. We also have Sean O'Malley and Thomas Almeida. Those two fights very well stick out to me, man. Um Am I crazy for saying, I think we're both on the same page here. Uh, I think Vicente Luque coming out, uh, I would not be shocked to see him finish Tyron Woodley this weekend. No, I don't think that would be uh, surprising. I, you know, he's looked very good. Um, his last two fights, the the knockouts over Randy Brown and Nico Price were very, very impressive. His most recent loss to Steven Thompson at, a, at that BMF title, um, card that UFC 244, mm-hmm. you know, that was a really damn good fight. Um, and Steven Thompson's world class, you know, he gets lost in the mix, but he's a top five guy still in welterweight. Like, so I think that, uh, I think this, this is a really big opportunity for Luke to get a big win over a former champion. Um, Woodley, this is like, you know, this is back against the wall for Woodley. Like he's coming off of, Three it, losses in a row. I was going to say, had to be three or four losses in a row for him. Yeah, it's Usman Burns and Covington. He's lost two. And his most recent win was his title defense over Darren Till. And that was in wow. September of 2018. Yeah. So it's like, he really needs to get this win. But he's fighting a guy who's super skilled and super hungry. And I don't know how hungry Woodley is anymore when it comes to MMA. You know, I... I've talked plenty about how I feel about Tyron Woodley. So I, you know, uh, y'all can go back on previous episodes of this show if you want to hear my thoughts on Woodley and how committed I think he may or may not be to fighting and rapping and and movies and his incredible role in that recent Netflix show that he did. Um, (laughs) Yeah, anyway. So, yeah, um, I mean, I'm going to take Vicente Luque. I... I don't want to sit here and like roast Woodley too bad. Like he's when he was the champion. And like, I mean, I've, we've said it a thousand times on the show, you know, being there in Atlanta when, when he knocked out mm-hmm. Robbie Lawler for that title. I mean, I'll never forget that. And he was a damn good fighter. Like at, you know, when he was the champion, but he's really dropped off. He's been losing to really good fighters. I mean, that's definitely part of this. Like he's, he's, he's been losing to guys who were like championship level guys. So there's that. But I think Vicente Luque is kind of in that boat, too. Like, I think Luque very well could be 
the welterweight champion in the world sometime in his career, like sometime in the next couple of years, potentially. Like he's very, very good. Um, I think that Woodley would be very smart to use his wrestling in this fight. And, um, you know, I'm going to take Luke, but I think it's a winnable fight for Woodley. I don't think Woodley's like completely washed up. I just, it's just the next generation of guys are, are, are on the come up as he's declining. And it's just not going to be, because like, even if he beats Vicente Luque, which, you know, that'd be a, that'd be a big win for sure. You know, but then you look like ahead of Vicente Luque. I don't think he beats any of these other guys that are like on that list. So it's like Woodley's in kind of that gatekeeper position now, I feel like. So that's 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 kind of where I'm at with that. But yeah, I'm definitely I'm going to take Luque as my prediction. What about you? No, I'm with you. Vegas is with us. Uh, I, I thought Vicente probably about finished. I wouldn't be shocked with how he's looked. Uh, he's a little bit of a favorite, uh, not a giant favorite, but a little bit of a favorite, according to. To, to Vegas, Francis Ngannou, slight favorite in that title fight. So um, those are some things to keep of note for sure. No, I'm with you, Vicente, uh, on this one. I would not be I would not be surprised to see this go less than two rounds. I'd be way more shocked if Tyron Woodley won this because of everything Steven has mentioned on previous shows because he's fucking – he gets riled up, man, but he's not wrong. Mm. Um, <laughs> the, the next fight, man, pretty – this one, I'm, I guess – on name value, I was kind of surprised when I saw the odds, uh, but it, it does. I get Sean O'Malley, a pretty pretty good sized favorite over Thomas Almeida. You got to bet three hundred dollars to win a hundred in this one if you're betting O'Malley. Uh, of course, <laughs> I think we all know uh, the last time we saw Sean in here, the internet uh, reminded him real quick of what it's like when you're talking all this shit and you're living how you're living, man, you lose. They're going to be the first one to let you know, especially how he lost. Uh, of course, the uh, first round finished back in August. I can't believe it's been, you know, August of 2020 is the last time we saw uh, Sugar Sean in there, the loss to Marlon Vera in there with Thomas Almeida, who I know you remember just like I do, Stephen, a few years ago. I mean, the talk about Thomas Almeida going into that, that Cody No Love fight, right? This is back in 2016. Those two met as a main event on like a fight night. Um, that was like going to be, you know, the net. Who is it? Like this is the next that you said the future is now kind of thing. And uh, and Cody Nolove won that, and we know his his rise and everything's happened with him since. But uh, Almeida, man, since that loss, right? He goes into that Cody Nolove fight twenty one and zero. Since then, he is one and four, counting that right. So lost to Cody. He beats Albert Moraes back in 2016, then losses to Jimmy Rivera, Rob Font, and, uh, and Jonathan Martinez, the most recent being October of last year. And that was his featherweight, uh, it was a featherweight bout. A lot of L's, man. Again, those are great competition. You know, Rivera, Font, um, back-to-back's tough, uh, but a huge favorite, uh, at least according to Vegas, for Sean O'Malley. Uh, what do you think about the O'Malley opening is kind of that big of a favorite? And then I, I guess just the, the thought of these two, again, you know, two guys that know what it's like to be the big ticket. And just like that, uh, you're a little bit of a joke. Yeah, it's interesting for both, for sure. Because, like, with Almeida, he took all that time off, like, between his last two fights also. Because he was mm-hmm. having, like, was it, was, it was like something was up with his vision. Okay, he was because I mean, Thomas. If you're not, you know, if people forgot about Thomas Almeida, that kid fucking that run he was on, man, he was knocking everybody out, and then he gets to the UFC and he keeps knocking everybody out. Like, 
one of the more exciting fighters, man, for a couple years stretch there to watch, especially in this division. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, like you said, the people he's lost to are good fighters. Um, what this feels like to me, to be totally honest, is it feels like this is this is the most winnable fight that the UFC could give Sean O'Malley against somebody who has any kind of name value. Mm, okay. So like, like I think okay. this fight is designed to get Sean O'Malley back in the win column. So, because if you beat Thomas Almeida, it's like, Oh yeah, I remember Thomas. Almeida. like, like you, what you were just saying, like for those of us who have been watching for a long time, like we remember how good he was and how good we all thought he was going to be and that name value still sticks with us. But at the end of the day, he's, you know, one in four in his last five. Mm -hmm. Whereas Sean O'Malley, like, I think the marketing machine is still very much behind him with the UFC. I think the UFC still wants him to be a big star. And his one loss is to Marlon Vera, who they've they've since pushed him. You know, he's in the top 15 and everything. So it's like, so I feel like Sean O'Malley is still salvageable. But if he goes out there and he gets, like, knocked the fuck out by Almeida, like, especially, you know, early, if it isn't like a war, if Almeida just goes out there and does like a flying knee and knocks him out or something like O'Malley's like, that's going to be a, a real battle for him to dig out of that hole. So this is a, this is a pivotal fight for both guys. Like Almeida probably needs to win this to keep his job in the UFC. And O'Malley needs this win to like have any chance of the UFC continuing to, to back him the way that they have up to this point. So yeah, it, it, well, it feels like a, I mean, there's a lot to lose for Sean O'Malley. You said it, it feels like we're putting you in there, you know, you're, you should, he should win this fight, but that hype train that you, you said we, they've managed to keep going and you still see him on Instagram. He's still getting the likes. He's still popping up this and that. He's still somewhat relevant for sure. But like, what if he loses, man? What if Sean O'Malley loses this fight? That's, I mean, Hyde trained like more than Darrell exploded. Yeah, well, it's because like it's like I've said on previous shows where a lot of his audience is like the younger hype beast type audience, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're not like he can get away with losing to Vera to a, to a degree because anybody who follows him. I know that he talks a lot about how he didn't really lose that fight and he calls himself that like he's still undefeated and all this stuff. And, and I think that that kind of audience can hear that and kind of believe him. They're like, yeah, fuck that guy. Like, yeah, sugar, Sean, you're still undefeated, man. You're the man, blah, blah, blah. And like, then they see like Mar- Marlon Vera's, you know, ranked in the top 15 and like a really damn good fighter. And yeah, I think he, people can kind of let it slide. But then if he went out there and, and gets knocked out by Thomas Almeida and it's like, oh, now he's lost back to back. And, you know, the hype beast crowd might be like Thomas Almeida's lost his last three fights and then he beat our guy. And and, I, and basically what he's doing, I'm not I'm, I'm not to a, the full degree, but like to a pretty large degree, I think. If he's losing, that audience is going to bail fast. Like, you know, they're they're looking for that next YouTube star, that next Instagram model that I mean, they're they're hype beasts. You know what I mean? Like there there's a reason why Sean O'Malley, you know, he releases limited edition, limited time drop merchandise because that's what that kind of crowd is. It's like it's like the kids who line up outside of the Supreme store 
to buy a shirt that looks like every other shirt you've ever seen, but they cost like a thousand dollars and you want to be seen wearing it for the clout. Like that's, that's Sean O'Malley's whole game is like to get that audience. So like, if he's losing that audience is, that's a fickle audience, man. Like they're, they're going to bail so fast. So like, he needs this win to keep like a big percentage of his audience also. Cause there's people like me and you that like watching him fight and we're, you know, hardcore MMA fans and everything. And I respect him for what he does in the octagon and I respect him for, for the hustle that he's created. But at the same time, like, I'm sorry if this hurts people's feelings who are Sean O'Malley fans, but like from the outside looking in, I, I know this isn't the case, but from the outside looking in, he looks like a giant poser. Like mm-hmm. it's just the truth. It's just the truth. Like, yeah, I know a lot of people within like the Twitch world and stuff like that, but that's how they see him is like this guy who's like maybe good at MMA, but we don't really know, but they really know him more because he played Fortnite with Ninja and stuff, you know, like that kind of stuff. It's like, like they know him from like that world. They know him as this guy who goes on the Rogan podcast and talks about smoking weed. Um, they know him as this guy who you know makes his hair multicolored because like, you know, it's it's to gain attention you know it's mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like all this stuff that has nothing to do with him being a good ufc fighter is is like why a lot of people are fans of his and uh so it's it's just interesting it's interesting because but if he wins all these problems are solved because but it, it's just one of those things where like if he beats thomas almeida that's great for him because he's back in the wind column the fans don't bail on him but then if he fights a guy who's like marlon Vera or better I don't know how good his chances are. I really don't. So, like, you know, how long can this last, too? You know, so he's he's got to ride the hype train as much as he possibly can while he can. I guess is kind of what I'm getting at. No, yeah. And uh, main card, UFC 260, you know, the, you know there's probably going to be more haters uh, than fans watching, praying for Sean O'Malley's downfall, brother. I mean, that's good to have those haters, but the, you got to live up because the, the truth of it is, is, you know, a couple fights ago, we were talking about him possibly being in that discussion of, you know, some, and that's a killer division, but being in some really killer fights. And now you're in there again with Thomas Almeida, who I fucking respect. But like, this is this this is not where you want to be if you're in this spot. Um, if you're Sean O'Malley, man, you know those fans, they're gonna whatever he wins, they're cool with. But you know, like the 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 hardcore demographic of MMA, you know, they're going to be dissecting this performance, looking to hate on O'Malley. So he needs to have a great performance. And you said it, you need to win because listen, if you lose this fight, yeah, your career record, what? It, he would be 12 and 2, which that's phenomenal. But this is this, this is a big moment. If you feel it, this feels like literally, if you do lose this fight, you got to pivot fucking characters, bro. Like, you, you know, if this is wrestling, you're having to go learn a new hold for a few months. We're going to have to come back with something else. Um, so big, big night for Sean O'Malley, Thomas Almeida, main card. The uh, the only other fight, I don't know, you may be able to help correct me on this. The only other fight I have listed right now for the main card is Kama Worthy and, uh, and Jamie Malarkey. Yeah, that's okay. only, I, I'm assuming they'll, uh, I, I, they're probably trying to figure out what to do about the co-main because... Yeah. Um, I'd imagine they probably want something bigger than Woodley and Luke as the co-main, but like, that's an okay co-main if, yeah. they, if they find a, another good fight to replace in there. I would agree. I think that's a, that's a fine co-main Woodley's former champ, Luke of course on the rise. I mean, the big stories, again, that heavyweight fight, 
Uh, you've got the the internet audience, the internet audience caring about uh, O'Malley. So this feels like like you're just saying another another pretty good car or another pretty good fight on this main card, and I'm here for it. I'm going to pay the money. Um, comma worthy, Jamie Malarkey. It looks like Comma is a slight favorite. Yeah, slight favorite according to Vegas lightweight division. We've uh, we've seen him fight, uh, you know, recently and through 2020. Um, what's the vibe you thinking on Kama, who uh, last time we did see him was September of 2020, lost to Otman. Uh, it was a TKO finish um, coming, coming back from that one. Before that, he had actually beat Violent Bob Ross uh, by guillotine choke in June of last year. So um, before that, man, a lot of dubs in a row for, for Kama. So, you know, he's looking to get back uh, putting those dubs together. Yeah, Um you know, and the guy who lost to Ottman, that's the dude who he's like, I, I got to pull up his record, but he's like 10 and 0 or something like that. He's a good fighter. Um, 13 and 0. He's Hurts the guy. Who, he's the guy who like the UFC fired because of the COVID protocol dude who like snuck into the bubble and all that stuff. Oh, that's right. Um, But they wound up uh, not firing him after all. So he wound up actually keeping his job. But but um, but yeah, that's the guy who worthy <laughs> lost to most recently. Um, but yeah, Worthy's a good fighter. Uh, his opponent, Jamie Malarkey, I don't know a ton about. Uh, he beat, or sorry, he lost to Brad Riddell and Farazame in his last two UFC fights. So, um, he's, so he's 0-2 in the UFC. Uh, I think the, I think Kamal Worthy is, is a guy who the UFC wants to get behind. He's a marketable dude. He's a very fun fighter to watch. I mean, most of the time when he wins, it's a submission or a knockout. Like he doesn't win a ton of decisions. Right. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I like the matchup. It should be exciting. And uh, I'm going to take worthy for the win in that one. Yeah, no, I think we're on the same page on all these fights because I mean, this is, this is easy pickings for us, man. I, I like Kamal worthy. I like watching them fight. I'm with you. I, I just don't know a ton about Jamie, but, um, just from what I've seen alone, I ride. I'm gonna ride with Worthy and and uh, and hope he can keep things going. Because like you said, uh, anytime I look at your your record and I'm seeing a lot of finishes, man, that's uh, that's gonna bring your name to my attention quicker. So uh, definitely be on the lookout for that one. Uh, right now listed prelim card on ESPN, and then the early prelim card, of course, will be on ESPN Plus. Um, but Alonzo Minifield uh, fighting William Knight. You've got the Wintons, or the women's strawweight division. Jessica Pinay and Hannah Goldie, the welterweight. Abu Baker, Nurmagomedov, and Jared Gooden. All those are listed for ESPN. Um, some some names, man. We, we've been seeing Alonzo Minifield name pop up more and more. Of course, Jessica Pinay, we know. And then anytime you see a Nurmagomedov, uh, the eyes are going to be on it, man. So, uh not a bad little prelim card listed for ESPN either. Yeah, yeah, it should be solid. And this is uh, Habib's cousin, so we'll uh, we'll see how he does. I know he's fought in the UFC before. I was going to say, has it been not that? Oh, all the way back. The last time we saw him was November of 2019. Uh, he lost to David Zawada. That was back. Um, I was going to say, what the fuck was the main event of that card? November 20. 20- yeah, dude, it was Calvin Qatar and uh, Zabit. Yeah, yeah, and he was, because, uh, yeah, I remember this dude from uh, WSOF back when, uh, before the UFC. Before the, yes, yep. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there should be some good fights there. Metafield really needs a win. He's got back-to-back losses, most recently to o- OSP, who, you know, 
OSP has the chance. Like, he's such a strange case. Like, OSP is the kind of yes. guy who can, like, he can, like, beat anybody, but, like, will lose to people he should beat sometimes. It's, like, it's strange. But, um, but like, Metafield really needs the win, and his opponent, William Knight, is a guy who came off the Contender Series, but he's been looking really good, so it, should, it should be a good fight. Yeah, very exactly. And Metafield is, is going to have to be hungry, too, because, you know, he's literally in a situation where like you, you don't want to be losing three in a row in the UFC. No. Um, and Jessica Panay's in the same boat, only she's already lost three in a row in the UFC and she doesn't want it to make it four. Um, but she's and she, fighting. And she's a slight underdog. She's a slight underdog opening too. Which is, uh, which is kind of surprising. Let me pull up her opponent's uh, record real quick. Hannah Goldie, because, same. um, because Panay, you know, Although she's lost three in a row, her losses are Danielle Taylor, Jessica Andrade, and Yoni on Jacek. And before that, uh, Michelle Watterson. So it's like... Killers, bro. Yeah, I mean, it's a list of like some of the best women's fighters in the world. Um, looks like Hannah Goldie... Oh, she was on the Lawler and uh, in Covington card. She lost, though. So this seems a bit more like they're trying to get Panay back in the win column. Um, but yeah, it should... I mean... The the thing about these fights and these fighters and a lot and a lot of these matchups, a lot of them are coming off of losses. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, you look at that and you're like, oh, damn, like it's kind of like a card full of losers. Right. But then on the other hand, it's like, well, these are also a card. This is a card full of desperate people, too. Like these are people who need wins. And like to get those wins, they might go out there and have some of the best performances of their careers. So. I am looking forward to that because there's a lot of people on this show with their backs up against the wall. Yeah, I always, you know, I always like to look at that from the the vision. Every, you know, you're probably going to catch fighters coming off one of their best or toughest or however you want to word it, camps of their life. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, there, there are a lot of hungry combats on this card. Of course, all the talks in that main event. Um, but there, there could be some surprises that come out of this. That's what's so exciting about uh, some of these matchups that you know the average fan may not get excited for is understanding this backstory and the that yeah, man. I mean, it, it, I know there were rumors um, at, at early in the new year that there was going to be another wave of cuts. So I don't know, it hasn't happened yet. But you got to think with the first quarter of the year getting closer to finish up. Um, we may see some cuts coming out in the next couple of months. So you, you absolutely don't want to be on kind of losing streak. Let me start stacking three and four. So without a doubt, uh, all kinds of storylines uh, coming into this UFC 260 card. Anything on those early prelim fights uh, on the ESPN Plus card that you uh, you really wanted to shout out real quick? Honestly, I mean, not really, because it, it really is. It's it's kind of more the same. It's a lot of people that are, like, coming off of losses that, that really need wins. Like, Jillian mm-hmm. Robertson kind of sticks out because, uh, you know, she lost her last fight. But she – I remember when she fought Macy Barber a couple years ago because that was, like, a big matchup for both. And she lost that fight. But since then, she won two in a row and then lost her most recent one. So it's like – you know, I think Jillian Robertson someone the UFC likes a lot. And she has a lot of fans. I don't know much about her opponent, uh, but she has a badass name, Miranda Maverick. That sounds like a pro wrestler. Um, she made her UFC debut last year at UFC 254, has fought once and got a win there. So 
probably a pretty dangerous opponent for Jillian Robertson. So maybe I'd uh, I put that out there. And then uh, this other, I don't know how you say this guy's name. I, I remember um, Michael Olek, Oleksichuk. Maybe that's okay. how you say it. Because he, he's fought OSP and Jimmy Crute in his last two. He lost both by submission. But like I remember him being in the cage with those two guys. Um, and he looks he looks impressive, and he had won his last like ten plus fights before that. So, um, so yeah, I guess I kind of highlight that type of stuff. And also, I'd uh, for anyone listening, I'd keep my eyes and my ears open because you, I have to. I mean, yeah, I guess you could bump one of these fights onto the main card, but I really feel like they're gonna have to pull like a decent fight from another upcoming show or mm, okay. like make a fight last minute. I feel like the the fifth main card fight is going to have to be like, I could see them bumping Jillian Robertson because like, like I said, they, they really were trying to market her and I think they probably still are, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if like, uh, if we got an announcement of a fight, either moving onto the main card of this show or like just a random fight that gets announced like this week. Um, so it's, it's really short notice to make that kind of change, but like they have to, I mean, it's not going to be a four fight main card. So like, we're, I, I'm interested to see what they make for that fifth fight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge, huge title fight, but you lost a huge title fight. There was a lot of talk, uh, on that T city, uh, that T city fight. So yeah, I definitely keep the eyes out for that. I mean, we are literally what we're five days away. Um, so not a lot of time to figure this out, but, uh, but you know, Dana's there, there, there's, they're going to be something. They always got something planned. Um, that's it, man. We did it. Uh, of course, if you want to follow me uh, on Twitter, I'm at Mo's KOBK. I know we'll be back next week, of course, to talk about this huge, uh, pay-per-view as, as well as some MMA. Uh, we'll have next weekend off, or I guess two weekends. There isn't a, a UFC card um, the weekend of April fourth uh, or April first of uh, April Fool's Day. So uh, the card after this weekend will be April tenth. Uh, but that's a big one, Stephen Jensen. UFC back on ABC. Um, so yeah, next week uh, expect to hear us go in detail on this pay per view UFC two sixty, some MMA news, and maybe some curveballs. Who knows, man? We've uh, you know it, they've been so good to us. I can't remember the last time we haven't had a card to really preview. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we'll figure something out next week. Um, if it, it'll either be a short show where we just kind of talk about whatever there is, or maybe, uh, yeah, we'll figure something out. We'll figure something out for y'all. Um, Surprise coming. Yeah, worry. yeah. Maybe we'll uh, we'll talk this week and wind up doing like a like a throwback episode or something. I don't know. We'll figure something out. But. Uh, but yeah, um, once again, everybody, thanks for listening to the show. I'm going to tell you all a little bit more about Music City Toys and Collectibles real quick. I talked about this at the top, but for anybody who may have fast-forwarded through the intro, founded in 2002, formerly known as Heroes and Legends, Music City Toys and Collectibles is your southern fried source for all vintage and modern toys, autograph memorabilia, and all things pop culture. Visit their brand new retail location opening May 1st at 101 West Main Street in Waterton, Tennessee. Keep up to all their keep up to date with all of their special in-store signings, online sales, and convention appearances at musiccitytoys.biz and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Music City Toys. And please join us on May 5th, sorry, May 1st, there at 101 West Main Street in Waterton, Tennessee. 
where I'll be uh, doing the Q&A session with Dan the B Severn. So we're looking forward to that and buy tickets. Uh, the tickets are available. Just go to their, um, just search at Music City Toys and they'll have information. There's 30 tickets available still. So please, if you all hear this and you want to attend, it's it's in Nashville. So if you if you want to come to Nashville, hang out for a couple of days, um, check it out. So Check that out. Support Music City Toys and Collectibles uh, and all that good stuff. And also make sure to use code FIGHTTALK on IWTV.live or at independentwrestling.tv, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K. My Twitter is FIGHTTALK underscore. Um, I'll just keep everything updated going on there. I got some interviews coming up this week that I think y'all will enjoy uh, if you're a fan of pro wrestling. And I'll be doing some reviews on Jesse Davin's YouTube channel, on Doug Bateman's YouTube channel, on my own feed and all that good stuff. Fightful Select Weekender podcast. Check that out every Sunday. Talking all the indies and talking NWA and Ring of Honor and Impact and all that stuff. Um, yeah, and all things MMA. Watch that Steve Miocic video if you haven't already. Uh, it's really, really good. I think y'all will enjoy it. But that's uh, that's everything I've got. Moe, you got anything else before we get out of here? No, nah, man, I want to shout out everybody on IWTV that's been watching. Keep watching. And I cannot wait to, to talk about these fights with everybody next week. Hell yeah. So for Jumpin' Johnny Mosley, I've been Steven Jensen. We will see you all again next Monday to talk some more mixed martial arts.